Now, what country is considered the country with the best tasting yogurt? What country has a lot of Japanese and Icelandic tourists going just to taste and enjoy the yogurt? I'm talking about Bulgaria, a country I just got back from and a country that you got to see. Getting to Bulgaria was a lot easier than getting to Georgia, mainly because my layover in Munich was only three and a half hours versus the 13-hour one going to Georgia. So another reason it was a lot of fun was I got to fly from JFK to Munich the brand new A350-900 Airbus by Lufthansa. And this plane blows away Boeing. It is sleek it is huge, it has all the technology, it is lighter, it is quieter, it is really something. So if you ever have a chance, A350 Airbus, not the A380, that's the double-decker. That's a great plane too, but the new A350 is the competition for Boeing 797 or 787 Dreamliner. So great trip over to Bulgaria. Waited uh, three and a half hours at the Munich airport. Um, on the way to Bulgaria, Sofia, uh, you know, the weather was fine. The, it, was, it was sunny most of the way. You could start to see the hills and mountains come into view. And it looked like we were landing. And the pilot said, you know, the weather's clear, some scattered clouds. So I assumed we were landing. We're getting lower and lower. And we kept doing these big turns and hitting some um, of these cumulus clouds. So turbulence was getting a little uh, more intense. And um, we kept turning. I didn't think much about it. And then I noticed we were a little higher. And I thought, well, that's a little odd. And the guy sitting next to me with his mom, he lived in Sofia. He's an American, married a uh, Bulgarian lady. And he said, we should have landed by now. I don't know why he keeps turning. So I was getting a little more nervous and sweating a little bit. And um, finally, the pilot came on in German and he said, He's, you know, I'm sorry, but and I didn't understand it all. My German isn't that good. And I could hear some of the people who spoke German get a little upset. And now I'm getting really nervous or scared because I think maybe the landing gear isn't coming down. Maybe we got a mechanical problem. And it seemed like he talked for a minute or two. So finally, he says, uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there is nothing wrong with the navigation. There's not a problem, but, and I'm getting real nervous. And he said that some high-level EU personnel has just landed in Sofia, and they've closed the airport. So we have to circle for 15 to 30 minutes until they reopen the airport. So we did this huge circle probably 10 times over the city of Sofia before we landed. And I was really, really happy to be on the ground. Um, made it through the airport, changed some money, took a cab. Uh, I forget the name of the company, but it's the only approved cab company. And when you do take a cab in Eastern Europe, make sure it is an approved cab company or you'll get ripped off. Uh, exchanged about a hundred bucks, 
jumped in this cab uh, 20 minutes later at the, at my hotel, which was not like the Marriott in Georgia. This was called uh, Light Hotel, and it was not like the pictures, but for 35 bucks a night, what can you expect? So I actually was fine with it. Uh, did not take a nap. Uh, immediately left the hotel and went for a stroll through uh, Bulgaria and start taking pictures and uh, a really, really pretty city. Here are the things I learned about Bulgaria in the short time that I was there, and they're really, really interesting. Number one, Bulgarians say no by shaking their head up and down, and they say yes by shaking their head back and forth. Completely opposite of what we do, what the rest of the world does. And I asked uh, our tour director why they were the only ones that were different. And he didn't really know. He said it dates back to uh, Roman Empire influence. You know, Sofia is the oldest city, I think, in the world. Uh, the city's history in Bulgaria in general stretches back thousands of years, back further than the Ottomans or even the Romans. I mean, there are Roman influences all over Bulgaria. You can find Roman baths in a city called Varna. The ruins are all over Sofia. And there is a Roman intact theater, one of these amphitheaters in Plovdiv, which is absolutely beautiful. I didn't get a chance to go, but I've seen the pictures, and it's called Plovdiv, a place that you need to go. So, yeah, Romans or uh, Bulgarians definitely um, give the body language of yes and no's opposite of anywhere else in the world. And there is so much Roman history and ruins all over Sofia, and they've built the city around the ruins. So you can go down the escalator of the subway and literally to your left and right are Roman ruins in these glass cases or just out in the open. Really interesting. Um, Bulgarians created the Russian language, which was really interesting. You would have thought Russia created the Russian language, but it's Bulgarians. It's called the Silaric Alphabet. And it's used in Russia throughout the Balkans and other Slavic nations. And they say that this language was invented by two monks during the first Bulgarian Empire in the 10th century. So who invented the Russian language? Bulgaria. Uh, no in Russian is nyet. No in Bulgaria is ne. So um, sort of similar, but you can definitely tell the difference. Uh, cheese in Bulgaria, they say don't go to France or Italy for cheese. Go to Bulgaria. They had cheese everywhere. Real white, um, smooth, creamy, milky white cheese, goat's milk. And they put it on everything. And a really uh, great dish is a salad, which is just tomato slices, olive oil, and all this um, cheese spreaded on top. Really good. So cheese is big in Bulgaria. Lots of mountains in Bulgaria. Uh, the seven lakes. Uh, lakes so high up in the mountains that they freeze and still have ice in July. So lots of lakes for boating, um, fishing. Uh, a lot of tourists come to Bulgaria for the lakes. They're clean. They're beautiful. Um, what I noticed on our drive through Bulgaria is when you're on the freeway, 
and there's an accident up ahead or a, a sudden stop by a lot of cars, not only do they hit the brake lights like we do, they hit the emergency lights. They press the um, hazard lights. So everybody, you see the yellow lights flashing and the brake lights and the hazard lights indicate that there is something up ahead that's very serious. So get ready to brake. Something that I think we could use in this country. I learned that there was a king, the king of Bulgaria, as recently as World War II. And my tour day director said that the king refused to hand over the Jews during World War II to Hitler. And Hitler wasn't uh, real happy with that and had the king come up to Germany uh, to Berlin or to Eagle's Nest and he, he tried to persuade him and uh, didn't go real well. And the king ended up dying almost a month after his visit with Hitler. So I don't know, I kind of took it that he was killed by Hitler. And his son at the time of uh, World War II was only six years old. And after World War II, um, when, you know, Bulgaria was kind of taken over by the Soviet Union, there was no more king. And the young kid moved to America, basically grew up in the United States. And he went back after the fall of the Soviet Union as a uh, citizen of Bulgaria. He requested that he get the palaces back as a citizen, not royalty, and went into Bulgarian politics and re was recently, in the last 10 years, I guess, voted out. So he still lives in the palace as a regular citizen, would have been the king, um, is very well liked by the people of Bulgaria, but I had no idea that the former king's son grew up in the United States. Uh, as, as you walk around Sofia and other cities in Bulgaria, it looks like maybe eight out of 10 people are smoking, young, old, doesn't matter. So a lot of smoking going on in Bulgaria and a lot of people on skateboards. They are riding skateboards, doing their tricks, filming either for a YouTube video or whatever. But you see a lot of people skateboarding in Bulgaria, very popular. Um, they have a love, or let's say a nostalgia for communism. Uh, they have a great relationship with Russia. They weren't treated well under communism, and they don't want, for the most part, communism back. Uh, but Russia helped them defeat the, the Turks and saved them from the Turkish Empire. So they have this um, love or thankful feeling to Russia. So they didn't destroy the monuments when communism collapsed. Uh, they gathered them all up and put them in this park, which I'll get to in a little bit. Uh, they uh, kept a lot of the Soviet buildings around Sofia the same. They replaced the star, the communist star, with the Bulgarian flag, and they replaced the Lenin statue with the Sofia or Sophie statue of the woman towering over Sofia. But they kept all the monuments, and there is sort of this nostalgia to drive around in those Trabants. They give those tours, those communism cars that you saw in the 80s and 90s, 70s. You see those over in Bulgaria. Um, so they have a nostalgia for communism. They don't hate it. 
other countries in Eastern Europe, uh, like in Hungary, they have a uh, the Communism Evil Museum. And in, in uh, Bulgaria, they have a kind of a uh, museum to the history of what happened. Their dictator, when, you know, communism collapsed, wasn't uh, killed like the northern country to them, Romania. There, was, there weren't violent protests like in other countries when communism fell. So um, it's not a bad word. And there is a good relationship with Vladimir Putin. Uh, the big thing that you're going to see in Bulgaria are roses. You're going to smell them. You're going to see rose shops and rose oil uh, stores all over Sofia and Bulgaria. Bulgaria grows a lot of roses, a lot of roses. In fact, roses grow in Bulgaria's Rose Valley and they produce 70 to 85% of the world's rose oil. Rose oil is a component used in perfumes. Um, I bought some soap and some face cream just to try. And the soap is unbelievable. Um, really high quality soap. It's super cheap as a tourist. But it's an expensive item in Bulgaria. So... Um, roses are extremely popular. And the other thing that's very popular certain season is lavender. There's lavender fields in the, in the Rose Valley. And the Rose Valley is in just one certain section of Bulgaria. And it's only for a short time where they have all the rose festivals. But who would have thought that 70 to 85% of all the rose oil comes from Bulgaria? Very interesting. After World War II, Bulgaria ended up in the Soviet bloc. Even though Bulgaria was famously docile under Russian rule, life under communism wasn't easy here. And today, while enthusiastically part of the EU, Bulgaria still wrestles with its communist legacy. Although the communists are gone, their architectural heritage still looms large. At Sofia's main intersection, today's parliament offices fill the Stalinist-style former Communist Party headquarters. All over Bulgaria, controversy swirls around crumbling communist-era monuments like this one. Should they be allowed to stand or should they be torn down? Many have already been removed and are displayed here at Sofia's Museum of Socialist Art. In this garden of communist propaganda, Lenin, who once topped the main pillar in the center of town, still faces the storm. The Red Star, which for 50 years capped the city's grandest edifice, no longer inspires. And Georgi Dimitrov, the Bulgarian Lenin, is simply ignored. Today, these statues seem to preach their outdated ideology only to each other. So I went on the, uh, the Soviet tour and it was a uh, private tour. I think the the cost was about $110, which included this park of the statues and a tour. And then we went off to the communist headquarters, about three hours each way, three hours there, three hours back, to the massive spaceship building uh, that was built in 1985. I'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, the park here in Sofia, it's right in the middle of Sofia. It's not hidden, but it's also not, you know, real easily found. Is uh, a park with about 50 or 60 statues. You have 
uh, Lenin and you have uh, Karl Marx and a lot of the Soviet leaders and other dictators from the communism uh, age. And you also have the big red ruby star. And that was the most interesting. My tour guide told me that the communists told Bulgarian citizens that the star that sat atop the parliament building in Sofia for 50 years was pure red ruby. And that's why it, sh it shines so bright all over the city for 50 years. So when the communism uh, philosophy, when the Soviet Union collapsed in 1990, uh, the Bulgarian parliament voted to remove the star and replace it with uh, the Bulgarian flag. But they were worried on how heavy this thing was going to be. So they hired a uh, contractor with a Soviet helicopter, you know, the big double blade, huge. You can see it on YouTube. Uh, to fly above the parliament building and they took the star off and immediately knew that it wasn't as heavy as what they thought. And in the crowds of people watching this star being removed, uh, people had brought hammers uh, to take a piece of the ruby. Once the star was put down on the ground, uh, you know, they were there to take a piece of it. Worth a lot. Well, immediately they knew as soon as they lifted it from the helicopter and landed and a couple people started to smash the star that it really was just made of plastic glass and had light bulbs in it. So, um, you know, the, the communist lied from the very start, even with the propaganda. That star had light bulbs in it that made it shine so bright. Uh, all over the city of Sofia. So you need to go on this tour if uh, you go to Sofia. It's really, really interesting. Capping a nearby ridge miles from anything is one of the most bizarre sights I've seen anywhere. Buzluja, an abandoned monument to the Bulgarian Communist Party. This gigantic conference hall was built in the 1980s in the waning days of communist rule. With the end of the Cold War and the arrival of capitalism, it was abandoned. Today, the lyrics of the International Communist Anthem are literally falling off the walls. And graffiti makes it clear who won the Cold War. Venturing inside, we discover an eerie, crumbling world of vandalized propaganda. A roof that's barely held up by its hammer and sickle. And disintegrating mosaics, once so proud, and now, just an artifact of a failed system. So I went on the tour of the communist headquarters, which is about a three-hour drive out of Sofia. Gorgeous drive with all the sunflower seed fields and the lavender fields and the rose fields. Unbelievable drive. But at the very tip of one of the mountain peaks is this building that looks like a spaceship and I can't even pronounce the name of the communist headquarters but it is you can see it from an hour out a very small little tip at the top of this peak and it is unreal I saw this on the Rick Steves video and um, I just had to go and it was part of the day to day private tour 
that I got to go uh, on the Sunday that I was there. The only problem when we got there was that they had a cop or a policeman, security guard, so that you couldn't go in. So we weren't able to go in, and the reason is very simple. The thing is about ready to collapse. It is so abandoned, and like Rick had said, the wording has been falling off the side of the building, and the top of it has big holes in it, and they're afraid if tourists go inside, it's going to collapse, and that that would not be good. So I got a very nice tour at the top of this mountain, very windy day. It was, uh, it was nice, a lot cooler up there, uh, but the views were unbelievable. And this thing is just mammoth. And again, built four or five years before the collapse of the Soviet Union. So if you go to YouTube and you type in Communist Headquarters Bulgaria, you're going to see this spaceship-type monument uh, that had this huge grand hall with all the propaganda and murals inside of it. And you park up there, and then you hike just a little bit to get to the entrance, but you cannot go in. Now, they're trying to decide how to save this thing because the Bulgarians are figuring out that there are a lot of people around the world, tourists who are in the history and Soviet times, that they could probably make a lot of money by restoring this place. So it's just a question of where do they get the money? So I was really happy and then disappointed at the same time that I didn't get to go in and see what I saw on the Rick Steves video. Um, but that's okay. Uh, definitely a place that when you go to Bulgaria, you have to take this trip out. And I recommend a private tour. Um, I think it costs about $110. Again, a full day with a Bulgarian and includes lunch and the you know the drive and the gas going out to uh, going out to about three hours uh, three hours there three hours back definitely definitely worth the money my first day trip and I only did two while I was in Sofia was to a country that I knew nothing about I've heard of it but I didn't know of even the main city, the capital, Skopje. Skopje is the capital of North Macedonia, a very small country bordering Greece, bordering Bulgaria, bordering Turkey, and Serbia. And uh, signed up for this day trip. It was $80. Um, only had two other Americans and a Bulgarian driver. And we drove three and a half hours west of Sofia to the uh, beautiful country of North Macedonia, which I'll get to in just a second. Uh, the first two hours, beautiful countryside, some beautiful high mountains with the seven lakes that I did not get a chance to see. Those seven lakes are really up high. Even in July, apparently there's still frozen pieces of the lake because they're so high up in these beautiful mountains. Um, we made it to the border of North Macedonia, and immediately I saw the flag of North Macedonia, yellow with this red star, and these flags are huge. They're not typical size flags. Right at the border, they had a massive flag blowing, and um, we had to get you know our passport stamped, and uh, I thought they would check for COVID. I had my vaccine card, but they didn't. 
and I'm sitting in the car as our driver goes to the little booth with uh, the guards and he's showing them the passports and I start taking pictures. Of course, you're not supposed to do that uh, of the border area. And immediately I hear somebody pointing and yelling, don't take pictures. And there's really no reason that, you know, uh, what's a, what's pictures of the border going to do? So anyway, um, I put the phone down and uh, waited a little bit and we drove casually through the border and we were in North Macedonia, which at first you can't really tell the difference between Bulgaria and in this country. And we stop off at a little gas station, get some drinks and some food. And um, it's where I found out they don't take American Express like most people in Eastern Europe. So if you ever travel in Eastern Europe, understand American Express does not work. Take a Visa and a MasterCard with you or you're going to be in in for a little bit of uh, trouble. So about an hour later, we approached the capital of North Macedonia called Skopje. And uh, statue after statue after statue after monument, guys on horses, um, uh, all these figurines around the city. And I mean, they're massive. More statues and monuments than you see in Pyongyang, North Korea. And I'm not kidding. Um, They're very proud of their history. I won't even go into the history has a lot to do with Greece and Bulgaria and the whole Yugoslavia breakup. Uh, but there's a lot of history, a lot of pride, and they have statues all over. Uh, they have one Burger King. No McDonald's, no Starbucks, no Subway. For some reason, right by the Casino Marriott downtown, surrounded by monuments, they have a Burger King. Um beautiful city. Matter of fact, one of the stops we made, there was a statue of Mother Teresa. Now, little did I know Mother Teresa was born in Skopje. So they had the church and her birth house and a museum that we toured. Uh, So that was a surprise. Didn't know Mother Teresa was from Skopje, North Macedonia. Um, We took a day tour walk. It was two hours. Unfortunately, it was a little hot, uh, but it was well worth it. Uh, we walked through the town, over the bridge, over the river, got a lot of uh, uh, information about this country, walked through the uh, the souk, which is an Arabic, a lot of Albanians, a lot of Bulgarians in North Macedonia, so they had a, uh, a mosque everywhere, the call of prayer was going through the city as I was walking through. Um, I was trying to find a, a souvenir hat and a North Macedonia flag pin, uh, but no one would take a credit card for that small of purchase, and I did not have the local currency, so that was a little bit of a problem. Uh, we walked up to the castle in Nor- uh, that overlooks the city, and uh, I looked over and I asked, what was that city in the distance by that big hill? And uh, the tour guide said, well, that's Kosovo. Now, we all know Kosovo, that center of that the Balkan War that was going on in Sarajevo. I had no idea we were only 30 kilometers away from Kosovo. Uh, that's considered another country, by the way. That would have been one that I could have added to my list, but not all countries recognize Kosovo as a country, so um, I would have counted it anyway, but we didn't have time to go to Kosovo. At least I saw it. 
Um, we went back, uh, had lunch at this unbelievable restaurant right in the main square. I got Wiener Schnitzel. A lot of Wiener Schnitzel served in Bulgaria, North Macedonia for some reason. Um, and we had some free time. I did find my pin. Uh, I took a lot of pictures. Uh, a very, very interesting city. In a way, it kind of reminded me of a movie set with all these uh, statues and fountains and monuments to leaders from all over the, you know, all over Macedonia or, or in their history. It wasn't just of one person like a Saddam Hussein or a Kim Jong-un. These were uh, Alexander the Great and all the historic figurative uh, leaders, including other statues like Mother Teresa. So I can't tell you how many, but there were a lot. Uh, so we only spent probably a total of three, four hours there. And we made our way back to Bulgaria. What, after we got through the border in Bulgaria, about 20 minutes into Bulgaria, there was a storm that you could see just dumping, flooding rain coming down. And boy, it hit us. And not only did the rain hit us, uh, ping pong size hail hit us. And I took some videos. The car was rocking back and forth. I thought the glass was going to shatter. Uh, the guy driving the car, the tour guide, he didn't seem nervous at all. I, I asked if there were tornadoes because this is kind of the prelude to tornadoes. And he said, yeah, every once in a while. But they didn't seem nervous. Everybody pulled off on the side. And for about 15 minutes, we couldn't move because of the intensity of this hailstorm. And um, it made it fun. So about an hour, hour and 20 minutes later, we made it back to Scope or not Scopey, uh, Sofia, Bulgaria. And I just kind of hung out and had some dinner around the hotel and relaxed the rest of the night. It was a great day. And I would spend at least three or four days uh, checking out North Macedonia when or if I get a chance to go back. If it wasn't for the fact that Anthony Bourdain, Rick Steves, and people like Conan O'Brien, if it wasn't for the fact that they didn't highlight countries like Bulgaria, I don't think any of us would know that Bulgaria was a great place to go. And I made it perfectly clear to one of my day trip tour guides that Bulgaria needed to do a better job advertising the country. Uh, you never see Bulgaria on CNN or BBC or Fox in their commercial segments like you do now Oman or Turkey. They need to advertise. But what really gets me upset is the fact that no Americans take the time, unless they're spoon-fed, to learn about these countries so they have alternatives to places like Paris and London which you can't afford to go to. Bulgaria is an eighth the cost, a quarter the cost, whatever. It's a lot cheaper. And it has just the, ama just the as amazing sights as London and Paris, maybe more because it's so different. And if we knew about places like Bulgaria or Georgia or Armenia or Albania or North Macedonia, we could get a lot more bang for our buck. So 
The fact that we don't know about Bulgaria and these other destinations, it's hurting us. It's hurting us financially. 